0: The reading is taken from Colossians chapter 3, verses 9 to 17. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practice and have put on new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarians, Scythians, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever Grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which bends them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in your rich dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God and whatever you do whether in words or deed do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to God the Father through him This is the word of God
1: so I forgot to remind you that actually uh, the books, the workplace uh, books have arrived, so Every Good Endeavor, uh, thank God it's Monday, have arrived, and so if you want to pick up a copy, uh, they're at the back. But anyway, as we come to Colossians chapter 3, let's pray that God will speak to us. Lord, we give you great praise and thanks that you are a speaking God, that your words have created the heavens and the earth, and that it can change our lives. And we pray that your living and active and powerful words will be spoken from this pulpit this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know many of you, uh, I don't know who of you, which among you are fishermen. Um, If We can switch to PowerPoint. Fishing seems like a uh, great thing to do as men, I think. Um, going out to the sea, casting this sort of rod into the uh, deep blue ocean, waiting for the fish to hook and there 's a bit of an adrenaline rush when it actually hooks and you 're bringing the fish in, but even if uh, the fish don 't bite, you, you know it 's a chance to hang out with their friends, chat um, and, and and share life um, together. Well, I have gone fishing a few times in my life thats, no, that's that was good. I have uh, gone fishing a few times in my life. And the truth is that I've never enjoyed fishing. I've gone fishing a few times when it was really cold. And so just sitting there in the coldness is, was not fun. And not only that, waiting for a fish to bite is just not fun either. It's just interminable. You just, you just sit there and there's nothing else to do. This is All you're doing is you're waiting for this thing that you don't see to come and bite. And actually, hooking the worm into the, this thing that's alive. You have to hook it into the, the, the hook. Um, and then if you catch a fish, you have to kill it too. And that's not fun either. The truth is, I like the idea of fishing more than the experience of fishing itself. But if you think about it, I think a lot of people feel that way about the church. Church as an ideal, an idea, what God's people is, and, and the body of Christ that's in there. It's a, it's a good idea. It's an ideal that people love. But actually, the experience of the church oftentimes falls short of those ideals. So often, people uh, let the ideal, ideals of the church be, remain as an, as, an, as an ideal. They don't experience the church because it's just difficult to do church but why do we even come to church? What is the basics, basis? What are, what are the reasons why we meet together? What unites us uh, together? We have to think biblically, and we have to think rightly about this, because this is the foundation upon which we build the church. This is the description of the church in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. God's chosen people, holy, and dearly loved. Because God loved us. God chose us. And he set us apart as a a people. That's what God God has done. Uh, Church's foundation is not... (coughs) our collective experience of the church. It's not even the people that we meet and how great they are or whatever it is. That is not the foundation of the church. The foundation of the church is the redemptive work of Jesus Christ, that God has saved me and God has saved you and God has brought us together to be a community. The basis of the church is what God has done, not your experience of the church. You don't get to choose your own church family, do you? And uh, You don't get to choose your own biological family. In a way, theologically speaking, that's true of the church family. You don't get to choose your church family. The people that you might have been drawn to, well, there are other people that you don't like in this church. That's just how it is because we are a church family. God has brought us together. In fact, if you think about the words chosen, holy, and beloved, These are the words that describe a nation of Israel. In the Old Testament, Exodus 19 and 6, 19, 6, Deuteronomy 7 and 6, God, think about how God came, uh, Israel came into existence. God chose people. God chose Abraham. God gave birth to the nation. And it's the same with us. Peter says, once we were not a people, but now we are. Now we are a people of God. That's good now we were living our individual lives for our individual selfish ways but now we each one of us God has chosen us and brought us together to be a church so in this church as Paul writes in verse 11 there's no uh, there's no Jew or uh, Gentile or Jew circumcised or uncircumcised uh, barbarian Scythian slave or free but Christ is all and is in all What binds us together is the grace of Jesus Christ, who is in all, all of us, who is all and who is in all. That is what makes a church, church. And let me tell you why this is so important to get that um, right, because you have all sorts of ideas about what a church should be, don't you? Maybe some of you met wonderful people in Shateen Church, and I think actually it is one of our strengths that there are great people in our church. And that's the reason why you have joined, or maybe you've joined because we have good children's and youth programs, because you think that's a church should—that's how a church should be, or maybe you were, uh, were looking for good preaching, and so one of these good days that I've had, and you came, and you thought, "Oh, that was good," so I want to come back. Maybe you think church is a place where people are helped, and so you joined a small group or something and you were helped in your time of trouble. Maybe you think uh, church is about great music, and you've come because of the great music that we have. Now, these are good reasons to join a church, but this is not the reason why we continue to meet together. It cannot be the reason why we continue to meet together, because we are not a club. We are a family. We are a family that God has joined together. You see we are sinners each one of us saved by God and God brings sinners to the church and so uh, so sooner or later you will be disappointed you'll be disappointed by this person who's sitting next to you at at some point maybe they'll say the wrong things with the best of intentions we make we get it wrong sometimes don't we Maybe the music will suffer sometimes. Maybe the, the, I know the preaching has suffered in the past, or um, the, 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 the children's, or whatever it is, these things will suffer. But if that, that's the reason why you come to church, you come for the wrong reason. That is not thinking biblically and theologically about the church. You come to church, we come to church, because God has saved each one of us, and God is doing a new thing in this world, creating a new community of people together. We are a people now. Once we were not a people, but we are now. Once we have not received mercy, but we have now. That's why we come, because of the action of God. So the natural um, uh, uh, application of this is join the church. Get into the, the church life. Get into uh, what this is all about. Commit to uh, 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 links. Links. Um, come to our prayer meetings, get get involved in serving. Find out what's going on in this church because Christ has joined us together. Sorry, this is not working. I'm not sure why. All right. Um, Could you go to the next slide, please? Why is this? See, this is hard for me to be gracious at some time. You'll be disappointed <laughs> at, at, at different points if you come for things like this. Ah, here we go. Um, I want to say, if you don't uh, join this church, that's okay. If you are, um, I know that there are uh, visitors. Maybe it's actually not God's will for you to be here. But commit to a church. It doesn't have to be this one. But commit to going to a church. Be all in there. Uh, in words of Joshua Harris, stop dating the church. Many people date the church, don't they? They come and check out this church and that, that church and they get different things for themselves. They're selfish in their church. But you commit to the relationship. You commit to the people around you. Be all in and find out what's going on and be all in into the church. The fact that you belong to universal church means that you should express the membership by belonging to one church, to a local church. Think about the metaphor of the church in the Bible. One, it's family, right? Family are people that you know, that you spend time with. You get to know them. That's church. But actually, in our scripture, in verse 15, the the relationship is even tighter than that, right? In verse 15, it says, you are members of one body. That's what the church is. You are members of one body, and that's a close-knit relationship that we have. So be a member, be part of the body, don't be a floater. And if you consider yourself a Christian and you do not come to church regularly, and maybe people will be listening to this online, if you don't come belong to a church regularly, I fear for your salvation. I don't know whether you are a Christian because there's no such a thing in the Bible as an unchurched Christian. There's no such a thing. It's hard to go from uh, this passage to point, pinpoint exactly this, this message because actually Paul just assumes that if you're a Christian, you belong to a body. He just assumes it. He speaks to a people who already belong to the body. God has joined us together. We are a church because of God, because of Christ. And if you come to church and you come and go without talking to anybody, once again, that's not biblical either. You are doing an individualistic thing, aren't you? You come for God and for God alone, but not for others. But don't you see that God has linked us together to be a body of Christ? May I quickly give one advice to all those who also feel like um, that their church family uh, compete with uh, their biological family. They're competing with time. You have to choose between sort of your biological family, spending time with your family, uh, biological family, or church family. But may I say, don't stop viewing this relationship as a competitive relationship, as, a, as two rivals, Right? In order for you to be a good husband, in order for you to learn to be a good husband, there are many single people here, or in order for to be a good wife, to learn how to be a good wife, in order for your children to come to love Jesus, you need the church family. You need others around you here. You need the aunties and uncles from this church to be part of your biological family's life. So advice that I give you is open up your homes. Invite these people in. Invite the single people in into your, into your homes and get your children to come to know them. Get, because as you come, as we become a church family, your children will learn about Jesus. As the church encourages you in your marriage, you learn to be a good, better husband and you learn to be a better wife. That's why the church exists. Church exists so that we can become a good family, biological family as well. So don't, um, you know, people often think of, I think in Hong Kong, it's like, you never go come into somebody else's house. It's like a little castle with the moat around and the drawbridge and the crocodiles and things um, in the, in the moat. Lower the drawbridge down. Invite people in. your lives. Invite church people into your life. That's the only way. You you will not make this into a competing relationship, but a relationship that will help you to become good parents, good husband, good wife, and good children. Many of us shy away from being church because the idea um, is good, but it's hard. Being an individual is a lot easier than being a community. This is uh, uh, me before I got married. And look how happy I look. <laughs> Sorry, I am happy. I'll show you another picture soon. Um, when I was single, I did whatever I wanted. I ate whatever I wanted, whenever I wanted. I did the dishes maybe once every three um, days or so because no one cared. I was just by myself. It was great. But having been married for the last six months, look how happy I am in this <laughs> I'm beginning to realize, actually, how being a single and living that individualistic life has been so detrimental in my holiness, in my being Christ-like. Because being married means that I can't be selfish anymore. Being married means that I have been joined together with another person, and her feelings, her desires, her habits have to become part of my life, and I have to learn to be less selfish, and I'm learning, honey, I'm learning. Many of you have had the same experience when you got married. When you got married, you learned quickly how selfish you have been. But I should say this is not just the experience. of. It shouldn't be the experience for just married people. It should be the experience for all of us because when you were saved, when God spoke to you and you gave your life to Christ, God has joined you to other, other family members in this church. The people around you are your family and you have to make space for them. You have to make your life about them as well. God has joined you together in this family and you have to be less selfish. You have to work on being a family. You have to make space for other people's problems, other people's life. We cannot be a church if we're just individuals. Many of you have um, and uh, think about how difficult this must have been for the Colossians. Uh, Colossians, for the first time in history, Gentiles and Jews were calling themselves brothers and sisters. They had never mixed with each other before. Think about how difficult that must have been. Circumcised or uncircumcised under different understanding of religion and how we should be, how should we should be even this was a problem even within the church wasn 't it People were trying to figure out whether they should be circumcised and not circumcised. This was the problem for the church. There was educational differences too, barbarians and Scythians. Scythians are synonymous for basically uncouth, uneducated, uncultured people. There are educational differences. There is also status problems. Slaves, slave owners and the slaves were now becoming brothers and sisters. Think about how difficult that must have been for the Colossians church. But look what Paul says. He says, there is no Jew or Gentiles. No uh, circumcised or uncircumcised, um, <clears throat> no barbarian, syncythian, slave or free, because Christ is all that matters. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is what binds us together, he says. This is the picture of the church. And Paul is brutally honest then about how difficult that is. Um, look at the, the, the list in verse 12, what you have to put on. To be a church, this is the list. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are not qualities that you need when everything's nice. These are qualities that you need when things are difficult. Being compassionate, kind, hum- humble, gentle, and patient. And Not only that, he goes on to say in verse thirteen, endure each other, right? Bear with each other. It's literally put up with each other. Once again, this isn't, uh, this isn't a thing that, that this isn't something that Paul has to say if everybody's so nice to each other, right? It's because there are unpleasant things happening within the church. He says, put up with each other, endure each other. Even with the best of intentions, we'll get it wrong. And sometimes because we're all sinful people, sinfulness will come out as we do church together. Endure each other. But then he takes a step further. He says, he goes on to say, Forgive one another if you have grievances against someone. Forgive as the Lord has uh, forgiven you. Jesus uh, forgives us as many times as we come to him. Forgive each other as Christ has forgiven you. And that's hard to do, but then he takes it even a step further than that. He goes on to say in verse 14, And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. It's not enough just to forgive In order for us to be perfectly united, we have to love. We have to work on loving one another. It's easy to lower the standard of what a church should be, what a community should be, God's community should be when you get disappointed. It's easy to give up um, altogether in striving for that unity. It's easier for you to come to church, sit back, not talk to anybody, just enjoy your relationship with God and go home. It's a lot easier. But that is not God's design for the church. That is not God's design for you and for me. It's certainly not God's design for a Tin church. It should not be that way. It's easy. Um, when, uh, when, when things go bad, will you let love be the rule? Will you let peace of Christ be the rule in your heart so that we, you may offer that peace to each other? Graham Bynan. Um, in his book, uh, God's New Community, likens the church to uh, church plant, uh, 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 organ transplant surgery. Sorry, is there, there is a picture of organ transplant surgery there. Um, in an organ transplant of surgery, what happens, <clears throat> the big question after the operation is, will the body take this organ or will it reject it? Will it continue fighting? Will the body continue fighting against the organ or will, will it accept it and live in harmony? Right? The problem with all of us, the church family, is that all of us have been implanted into this body. All of us are new. And so, therefore, it is very, the, the possibility of rejection is great. possibility of the conflict, of us walking away, is so great. But Jesus calls then to love, to let, in verse 15, peace of Christ rule in your hearts as members of your body. One body, we were called to peace. So when you're offended, you'll have a choice. You'll have a choice. Will you forgive and love, or will you reject and walk away from that relationship? Will you let the peace of Christ dwell in your heart and offer that peace to each other, or will you let anger Pride, selfishness, be the rule. Um, It's not just uh, forgiving and letting go, if you go to the next slide. Loving involves doing things that we might not normally do either. It might be calling and finding out uh, what's going on in the lives of those who haven't been able to make it to church this week. Um, It might be going visiting somebody rather than ignoring the situation. A lot of times we ignore difficult people. We ignore difficult problems in our church. But loving means going and seeking them out. Will you put on the virtue of love? Will you let peace rule in your heart so that you might offer this peace to others? But if we go, um, as we go to the third point, we have to, in order to, for this to work, we have to go back to the basics again and again. We really need to let Christ be, uh, be all and in all. We need to reflect on what that means for us deeply. This is partly what it means, isn't it? Um, the next slide, please. That once you, bec- you become a Christian, the greatest thing that could ever happen to anyone has ever has happened to you. Think about what has happened. Your eyes were opened and you saw Jesus, the risen Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is the greatest thing that, that could ever happen to anyone. Our spirit was revived and our relationship with God has been restored. Our punishment for all our sins, God's wrath on our sins, has been taken away because Jesus took it away he, because he died for us and we have been freed from the slavery to sin. Think about death, the tyranny of death that it had. It held grip um, in humanity. It has been freed open. The gate of hell, the gate of death has been flung open with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have the hope of new life with Christ. We have died with him and we will rise with him. That's great news. And in order for us to be a community, we have to be deeply rooted in that good news of Jesus Christ, in the grace of Jesus Christ. So Paul writes, he goes on to say, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching, admonishing one another with all wisdom, singing, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart, verse 16. We have to let The message of Christ, the word of Christ dwell in ourselves richly in order for this community to work. And you notice that Paul didn't say, Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly as your pastor teaches, admonishes, and sings. No. It's only when we do this we will all be able to do this. We are here to teach each other the word of Christ. I have the privilege of teaching this church the Word of God, but I shouldn't be the only teacher here. You are all teachers. I am, it's my job to help you to learn the Word of God so that you may speak the Word of God to each other. You know, there are people here who are new to Christian faith, maybe people who are exploring the Christian faith, or people who want to go deeper in the Christian faith. It's impossible for me to meet with all of you. It's impossible for me to teach all of you. Are you learning? in view to teach others, to speak the word of Christ to others, so that the word of Christ may dwell in all of us richly. It's our job, not just mine, yours as well. And secondly, are we admonishing each other? Once again, it's not just my job as yours. Do we warn each other when our earthly natures come out? Uh, That's mentioned in verse 5 and 8. When we see sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language come out, do we warn each other about the wrath of God, that God is not pleased with us when we do these things, that God will discipline us because he loves us. Because he loves us, he will discipline us. He will bring us back to himself. Are we warning each other with the word of Christ? Are we doing that? In other words... Are we getting in each other's business? Are we getting in each other's business? You have my permission to do so because you have the Bible's permission to do so. God says, warn each other. But in order for that to work, we have to get to know each other. We have to see you often. You have to see, we have to see you in small groups. We have to see you uh, in relationship with each other. Because even when we are in good relationship, it's very difficult to warn each other, admonish each other, isn't it? I mean, sometimes I, You know, with Mary, I say some things to Mary, or Mary Mary says stuff to me. It's really hard to get it right, to warn each other in the right way, even when the relationship is strong. So are we building that relationship? And as we do, are we teaching each other, and are we warning each other? That we're a loving church means that we don't let people uh, live in sin that we spur each other on to be more like Christ, towards the holiness of Christ. That is why God has brought us together, towards to, so for us to be more like Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell among, among you richly as you teach, admonish, and finally sing. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in our hearts. Once again, we sing. Because, as Colossians um, writes, as Paul writes, We sing because this is also a way for us um, to know, to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. It's the message of Christ dwelling in us as we sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Oftentimes, people think that songs are a way of meeting God or being in the presence of God. Well, that doesn't make much of a sense. God has met us in Christ Jesus already. Even if you don't feel like it, you are in the presence of God already. God is here with us. It's not a way of meeting God. You might feel emotional, and that's great. God meets us in our emotions, but it's not a way of meeting God. You meet God through Christ. You are in the presence of God through Christ as you approach the throne of God in Christ's name. That's how you meet Christ. But we sing because as a joyful response to what God has done for us we sing as a praise and thanksgiving and also to remind each other that this is the message of Christ, that this is the word of Christ, the joy that we express. This is what it means to know Jesus. The truth that we proclaim um, uh, uh, as we sing, that's how the message of Christ comes to dwell in us richly. That's why we sing. I know, I was surprised to hear, actually, that there are many people who don't like singing Um, in our church staff. It's actually Charles. Charles does not like singing. It fits well with his grumpy demeanor and things. No, I joke. He's a great guy. Uh, But um, even he sings. The reason why he sings is not for himself but to remind all of you as he sings. The people next to, you, next to him, we sing on Sunday morning, not just for ourselves as our private worship of God, but remind each other to let the Word of Christ dwell in us richly. That's why we sing. I started out talking about how uh, <coughs> people shy away from doing community because it's difficult. Because community is really hard. But at the same time, most people in the world, in in this world, want a community. They're desperately seeking to be part of a community, to connect with others. As selfish as we are, as individualistic as we are, we want to know others and we want to be known by others. God has created us um, in this way. But unlike other communities in this world, the church has a great hope. The church has a hope because our center, the reason why we meet together is not how nice we are. The reason why we meet together is because God has called each one of us and saved us and brought us together. That's why we meet. That's why the church has hope. That's why church has hope because we can continue bearing with each other, forgiving each other, loving each other, as Christ has forgiven us, as Christ has loved us. And what a community that is, community that also speaks the word of Christ to one another, that warns to be more like Christ together, to sing together so that the word of Christ may dwell in us richly. There is hope for this church as long as Christ is at the center of what we do. There is hope, not just for this church, for this community, but for the whole world. If we make this community about Christ, as we point others who are desperately seeking to be in a community, that as we point to, as we become a community that's Christ-centered, the world will see that the world has hope. But it does depend on us. It is hard, but this is the church. This is what God has called us to be. Let's pray. Lord, we praise you for our salvation. We praise you that our salvation is not just for ourselves so that we can go to heaven. But Lord, our, pra- uh, our, our salvation has been uh, about the redemption uh, of a whole community, the humanity around us. It's, uh, it's about redemption of the whole world. And Lord, we thank you for bringing us to this community and help us to be Christ-centered. Help us to teach each other, to admonish each other, um, to sing the message of Christ so that Christ's message will dwell in us richly, that we may give hope to the people around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The next song that we're going to sing is really...